0: Hi, I'm Marlon Walker, and I am live from Pelham's Wasteland, and today I am back at the mic after a uh, bit of a hiatus. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about kind of why I was away and then what I'm thinking about now and all that sort of stuff. But um, just for now, it uh, just is enough to say that it was uh, related to some mental health issues that I had. I was in a... um, was having some some mental health issues and therefore was away for a while um but i'm back now i have a call in from uh gary snow of daiku games to play uh, which was very nice to receive and then i'm gonna get into the meat of the episode. so stay tuned for that
1: hey arlen this is gary snow from daiku games uh i just wanted to let you know that uh I know you're taking a moment of, uh, reflection as to how you're going to continue, whether it be your podcast or YouTube. And, you know, sometimes when you're in the wilderness and you don't know how many people are listening, I just wanted to let you know that I really appreciated your content and, uh, I listened to it, uh, quite a bit. And over the the last few months when I've been busy myself, it's always been good to kind of hear some really, uh, critical thinking on role-playing games and that kind of stuff. But, uh, I'm a little bit like you. I have my kind of uh, moments where I get really into a subject and uh, then there's that law of diminishing returns where I I kind of lose interest after a while because I'm not learning as much. So maybe that's the case. I'm a Gemini. So that's kind of my excuse. But uh, anyways, just wanted to let you know that I really appreciate the work that you do on your podcast and channel. So big thanks to Gary
0: for calling in there um it was really nice to hear uh that call in it was really great i'm really glad that you have been enjoying my stuff and i um appreciate that you and the other listeners have been really um tolerant of my absence um you know i, I feel like everybody has been really understanding every time i've talked about my uh, mental health issues um So big thanks to Gary for calling in, making me feel better, and he's part of the reason why I'm back at the mic, so you guys can all thank him for that. Um, Just in general, uh, well, I I guess I should talk a little bit about where I've been. So I, a couple of weekends ago, um, was just in a, I, I felt pretty good during the day, but in the evening I started feeling worse and worse. Was in a, a pretty bad place mental health wise, and I'm not really sure why. There didn't seem to be like a an obvious triggering event or anything like that. It just sort of happened, um, and uh, basically ended up uh, talking to my parents, and we decided that I would stay, uh, with them for a little while. And I would call my therapist or my psychiatrist and and see if we can change the medicine. And so I'm on a slightly different medicine regime. Now. Um, I'm basically taking a higher dosage of the antidepressant that was working for me so well before. Um, and hopefully it will, I think it just, you know, my body kind of got used to it. And so it wasn't working as well. And now hopefully it will be working better. Um, but the the end result is that I feel much better, but I've been away for a little while. I um, stayed with my parents for a little while. And then my, um, my apartment was a complete mess um, just because I hadn't been kind of taking care of it very much. And so they helped me out a whole lot um, cleaning up and, um, getting things in order. And then my dad ended up even buying me shelves that need to be put together so that I could put all of the RPG books that I've bought recently onto shelves instead of having them stacked up on the, uh, the, the coffee table that I inherited from my cousin. And, um, generally anyway, basically i i got a a ton of help from my parents and my um my support care team for lack of a better term my the various people that i depend on for mental health help um which is really nice and you know just uh i can't say enough um in their favor because honestly it was, it was a a huge deal for them to, to help me out. Um, was really beneficial, um, to me and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, basically, uh, big thanks to them for doing all that sort of stuff. And then, um, I've been back, uh, at my apartment for a while now, and then just haven't really been ready to get back on the mic for a while, but today is um, Monday, November 1st, and I felt like, you know what, I could uh, get on the mic and record a podcast episode and talk about kind of what's been going on and what my gaming plans are and all of that sort of stuff, and uh, we could just go through that, so I think that's what I'm going to do. So yeah, I'm going to pause the recording real quick here and then get back into it. So what has been going on with my gaming and podcasting plans and YouTube plans and all that sort of stuff? Um, I'm not sure what I'm going to do for the YouTube channel and the podcast um, in the near future. Uh, my my books idea on the YouTube channel was fun. and I think I'm going to try to get back into that, um, try to do kind of, um, talk about the things that I've been reading and all that sort of stuff. I have a whole bunch of things to talk about, um, on that front, um, since I haven't done an episode in a while. Um, and then I have been getting back into the, the wargaming side of things, actually. I, um, not this past weekend, but was it the weekend before? Yeah, I think it was the weekend before, um, there was a special event, Parabellum is the name of a um, kind of indie miniatures wargaming company who, they have a a game called Conquest, The Last Argument of Kings, and then they make figures for that game. And then they also have a, a skirmish version of the game called Conquest First Blood. Um, but anyway, I... Um, decided to, uh, they were doing a, a special event where they, at a local, a friendly local gaming store, they were giving away boxes for free of their dudes. So I went and got a box and ended up buying a copy of the rules also, just to have a hard copy the the rules are free online in PDF form. So you can download them for free if you're interested, but um the, the hard copy is nice to have for table reference and all that sort of stuff. So anyway, um, and then I've been working on those minis for the past week or so. Um, and they're pretty cool. They're they're thirty five millimeter scale, so they're a little larger than some of the other guys I have, and they're chunkier. They're they're kind of bigger and bulkier. Um, the ones I've been working on are the Dwagom, which are the the settings dwarves. And um, rather than try to make like a, a specific unit, um, I just sort of mix and match all the parts together from the box to make a bunch of interesting looking guys essentially um which the end result i think is pretty cool and i don't know if i'm ever going to play conquest the last argument of kings probably not with these guys but um i don't know if i'm ever gonna actually play that game but anyway um the the idea being that these are um Good for like skirmish games, you know, generic miniature agnostic rule sets would work really well with these guys that look really cool. Um, I've been painting them in bronze, uh, most of their body is covered in armor, and I thought it would be really good. They would look really cool with a sort of bronze armor. Um, and so I've been doing that, and I think they look really good, I think they look really cool. so, you know, there's that that I've been working on, um, and I've been getting back into the uh, reading wargames rule sets and all that sort of stuff. I haven't even been playing as many RPGs. I did play Dungeon Crawl Classics um, on Saturday. This past Saturday, we played um, Dungeon Crawl Classics in the morning slot with um, Carl Rodriguez and jason connerly and bj boyd and um normally there's another player who doesn't have a podcast but he wasn't actually there so anyway um it was a lot of fun um really you know had a good time with the sort of wackiness that is dcc um it was a it's a good game um i think Excuse me. I think that Carl has done a recap if you're interested in what actually happened on that episode. So I'll just leave it at it was a a lot of fun and uh, a, um, you know, a fun, fun game that we played. But anyway, um, but I've been reading Wargame rule sets to try to get back into that. And I've got a couple of ideas. The big idea that I've got right now for a Wargames project to work on is using... So there's a a company, Ambush Alley Games, which um, has not published anything for a while, but they are, um, you know, a, a, a rules publisher. And they have uh, basically two lines of games, Ambush Alley and Force on Force. And then there's a second edition of Force on Force. And then there's some supplements for for all of those that they put out um, that nowadays are really hard to get a hold of. Um, So it's very hard to get um, print copies of these games. They're they're really expensive. Um, Although I think that what I will do I've got an idea to, to just do uh print on demand with them um, through like staples or something and get kind of coil bound copies of the rules that I'm going to use. But anyway, their game Ambush Alley is their first game for Ambush Alley games. And um, it's really cool. It is designed for playing um, counter insurgencies in the modern world so it's designed for playing as um regular like you know professional militaries versus insurgents in like war-torn cityscapes and things like that um which is a little um For me, I'm not sure that I'm interested in playing, like in moder- playing a game set in like Iraq in 2003 or Afghanistan in 2001 or something like that. That that seems a little um, iffy. I don't know. Some somehow something about that, and and I say that with the full recognition that there are people who have been involved in those conflicts who uh, are interested in playing war games in those conflicts. And that seems to be, there seems to be um, part of the kind of hardcore force on force fan base is, is uh, as far as I can tell is, is veterans who are interested in playing those conflicts um, or those sorts of conflicts, modern veterans of modern wars who are interested in playing in those modern settings. Um, but for me i'm not sure that i'm ready to do that um but what i had the idea of that would be really fun i think is to take the kind of ambush alley um rule set and make some tweaks to it to reflect a um, star wars scenario and basically play as stormtroopers in a war torn environment um, versus rebel insurgents, and that that would be a lot of fun. And then there's actually in um, Force on Force, Force on Force first edition has a supplement called Ambush Valley that is designed for Vietnam War, Vietnam era um, conflict. And um, Ambush Valley has some really good rules for fighting um, against a combined regular i'm doing air quotes around regular and insurgent force essentially like like americans fighting against a combined force of uh nva and vietcong um the the north nva is the north vietnamese army so the the regular troops versus and the insurgents fighting together on the same side versus a regular enemy um and anyway so that seems like some of those rules would be really good for doing this and then one of the really cool things about ambush alley is that it is designed um to be totally playable solo that you can have the um insurgent force be controlled basically by the rule set rather than by a player and um it apparently works pretty well for that um so my idea is to do solo Star Wars Ambush Alley. Um, it's also designed for a relatively small playing area. So my idea is to get a um, a, a neoprene mat with the right finish to be able to draw on it because they make those for D&D that you can draw out a battle map instead of having um, pre-built terrain. And so the idea is to get... a a two by two or two by three battle mat to draw on and i can just draw out some terrain and then um, play on that field with um, star wars legion guys which the legion guys they suggest using 15 millimeter guys in ambush alley Um, the star wars legion guys are more like 35 millimeter guys so more than twice as large, essentially, but you don't have to necessarily, um, represent every unit with a, um, a figure. If you have, if you want to, you don't necessarily need every soldier to be represented by a figure. You could have each figure representing like a a fire team, essentially, or a squad. Um, And so that's my idea is to use Star Wars Legion guys, paint up some stormtroopers and some rebels and just use one and then have some index cards where I record like, okay, this is squad. So I did some research and um, apparently stormtrooper platoons are made up of... um, Stormtrooper platoons are led by a lieutenant made up of 50 total stormtroopers, including the officer. And so the lieutenant leads squad one and then sergeants lead um, squads two through five. Each squad is 10 men and then the squad is presumably divided into two fire teams for um, more tactical flexibility. Um and then I, it doesn't say anything on Wikipedia about like how many heavy weapons they carry per squad or per fire team, but the rough equivalent for a modern day um, professional military would be one heavier weapon per fire team. So, like, one LMG per five guys. So, you would have essentially, um, uh, Ten fire teams of five soldiers, one of five stormtroopers, one of whom is carrying a, um, a an equivalent of a light machine gun or something like that, which seems like that would be a pretty standardized way to represent a stormtrooper platoon. Um, pretty good for that sort of thing. Um, anyway, so I'm excited about this project, this wargaming project, um, partly because I think it's going to be really cool to do some solo wargaming. Um, And then also I could, you know, bring the stuff over to like my parents' house or my grandparents' house and play with like my dad or my grandfather, um, play a co-op mission with them. Um, And that might be really fun too. So that's sort of my idea right now is to use Ambush Alley um, largely intact because the the system is um, not simplistic but it is um, elegant, I would say. Basically the way that troop troop quality units have basically two stats, and those are troop quality and morale, and they just use ascending dice sizes for troop quality and morale. So insurgent troops are probably a D6 in quality, whereas regular trained troops are probably a D8 or even a D10 in quality. and so basically you uh, you roll and you're trying to get a four or higher for a success when you do things. So you might roll your troop quality or um, you roll your troop quality for like attack and defense. And then you modify the dice pool based on how many troops you have and what they're equipped with and their kind of particular tactical situation, um, things like that. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a pretty cool setup. Um, I really like, and then there's a couple of modifiers that apply to the dice themselves, plus one or minus one modifiers. But mostly, you just use the the dice regular, like just rolling and trying to get a four plus on the die. Um, so I'm pretty excited about the uh, the concept. Pretty excited for this uh, Star Wars um, insurgency campaign. I think it'll be really fun. I think it'll be um, a cool project. I'm not going to be able to start it right away um, because I need to save up a little bit to get all of the supplies for it, essentially. Um, but right now what I'm working on is writing the campaign rules. There are really good campaign rules in Ambush Valley, the Vietnam source book, um, and um, I really like a lot of the stuff about them. There's some stuff that doesn't quite fit the universe of Star Wars, and there's some some stuff that I want to change, but a lot of it is is random tables that are used to determine various things, and um, I'm going to... Tinker with some of the random tables and then also make my own random tables for some things and then generally have a, um, a, a campaign system so that I can play through missions um, as a, a stormtrooper lieutenant, essentially commanding a stormtrooper platoon um, through missions fighting against the Rebel Alliance on various planets. Um, and I think that'll be really fun. I think it'll be really cool. I'm I'm really excited about this uh, campaign idea, essentially. Um, so, yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to record any of it. Um, my plan right now, what I've been doing for Wargaming stuff is just taking pictures with my phone and then doing... Um, uh, narration on YouTube for YouTube, basically, um, I could probably set up, I don't think I could use this microphone, but I could use my phone microphone, um, and do like an audio report of a battle sometimes. So that might be really fun. I know Jason Connerly has talked about doing a, um, an audio report of some two hour war games rules. Um, so, uh, I I assume that that's how he would do that. Um, maybe I'll ask him if he has an idea for how he would do um, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really excited about this wargaming thing. Um, Ambush Alley, I think, is going to be really fun for this Star Wars campaign. And that's the whole idea is to, I really like the idea of, not just wargaming as kind of stand-up knockdown battles with points by stuff, but the idea of a um, more like a campaign um, with um, what you call it persistent elements. So, like the idea is that if you if if in this campaign a stormtrooper gets killed, that's a one dead guy that isn't going to necessarily be replaced right away, and so that's a, a you know, limitation on the firepower of that unit in some level, and, and perhaps even a limitation on their morale and a a limitation on their, um, overall ability to function as a unit in general. So, you know, the idea being, and, and one of the ideas that I've had is to use a, um, a couple of random tables to kind of randomly set up this the scenario so that it's not always the same kind of forces playing so that like there's a random table that says how much of the platoon is able to fight in this scenario, how much is available to fight in this scenario. Um, so that like you might have like five squads of stormtroopers and be able to just run over anything or you might be down to like one or two fire teams and be in serious trouble if the rebels are organized, um, which I think would be a really interesting way to play. I think that's I, I don't think that would work as well for a competitive game where you're playing like head to head, but for a solo game, that's really interesting, right? Because for a solo game, it's more about, for me, it's more about kind of doing your best to create an interesting story than it is the kind of competitive, um, trying to beat the other player element. Um, At least that's the way I see it for solo wargaming. So anyway, um, yeah, that's sort of my wargames idea. And I'm getting a little long in this section, so I'm going to pause recording here and come back and talk about Marvel United. So stay tuned for that. All right. I am back. It's actually a couple of days later. Um, I got distracted from finishing this episode. And then, um, yeah. Just uh, distracted, and it's raining outside now, so I don't know if you can hear the rain in the background. I don't know if my mic is sensitive enough to pick that up, but um, that would be kind of interesting. Anyway, um, what I wanted to talk about was board gaming because one of the things that I'm realizing is that at least for the people that I play with, um, play games with um, generally fall into two camps. They're either kind of RPG nerds who I play games with online or their, um, relatives of mine, my family, um, or kind of family friends, you know, long-term friends that, um, I play with, uh, in, in person. And to be honest, the people that I play with in person are, um, not as mechanically minded, they're not as strategically minded often, all of that sort of stuff. They're they're just not really um as kind of, you know, hardcore players, which is fine. That's that's totally cool if that's what you get out of if, if what you get out of playing a game is more about just hanging out with people that you like. Um, then that's totally fine, but that lends itself to a different sort of gaming. And one of the things that I've realized is that a number of board games may be a better fit for the family crew than um, either RPGs or um, war games, certainly than war games, and probably than some RPGs. Um, having a game that you can just sort of sit down play and not have a lot of investment in but you're having fun with the people around you and all that sorts excuse me that sort of stuff you know that's that's really cool that's that's not bad by any means um i know some people aren't as interested in that and to be honest i um am generally more of a kind of hardcore gamer i guess you would say um But, um, what I'm getting at is that I have gotten a couple of board games for playing with my family. And the most recent one is Marvel United, which I was able to find there was a huge Kickstarter for it that I did not get into, um, just because I didn't know when I was going to play it. And I hadn't kind of had this realization about, um, family gaming yet, um, and um, so I ended up getting a copy on Amazon that um, was was about $50 for the core set and the Spider-Verse expansion pack and the Doctor Strange solo figure. So um, not bad um, for five players. You know, that's like the cost of taking everybody to see a movie. Um, so not too bad uh, by any means um anyway and so we played marvel united um this past weekend um and it was a ton of fun for those of you who don't know the way it works is it's essentially a um kind of a a card game in most ways your every character has a a deck of cards And that they draw from and then they have a hand and then they play one of their cards when it's their turn and it tells them what they can do that turn. And then there's a cooperative element because you don't only you in addition to getting the what your card says you can do, you also get what the previous played hero card says that that hero could do. So like if I'm if Captain America plays a uh, heroic action card and it's got one uh hero action uh, This star symbol is what's used for heroic action and then iron man is going next and iron man plays a move and a punch while iron man gets to take a move a punch and a heroic action um because captain america because of captain america's card which is a cool it's a it's a cool cooperative thing and it, it definitely incentivizes playing those um you know, cards that are going to be useful—not just this turn, but the next turn for the next person going. Um, and anyway, it was uh, a ton of fun. It was a really fun game. There's a lot of variety to the the game setup, essentially. Um, so, for instance, there's um, there's eight different locations, which you use six of them to build the board, essentially and then every villain has six threats and and there's a whole there's a there's a whole back and forth moving around the board and clearing off threats and defeating thugs and rescuing civilians and all of that leads to eventually you can confront the villain and punch him to death um but it was a really fun game um it was it was a whole lot of fun to play that game with my family. And that was really cool. Um, you know, it's, uh, I felt like it was a really good experience for everybody. Um, we had a lot of fun. We had a couple, um, we played uh, two rounds once against Red Skull and once against Ultron. And, um, both of those were a lot of fun. Um, we nearly lost to Red Skull, but we defeated Ultron pretty handily, um, and that was our second game. So I think we we sort of learned the rules a little better. Well, I say we defeated Ultron pretty handily. He got pretty close to winning a couple of times um, because Ultron wins when basically all of the the civilian and thug slots on the board are filled up. Um, and he got pretty close a couple of times, but we ended up winning. Um and it was a lot of fun. It was, a, it was just a really fun game. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Sorry about that. Um, I've got a little bit of mucus production going on just from allergies. Um, anyway, um so yeah, Marvel United, it was a lot of fun. We've also played, we played a couple of other board games. I mean, obviously as kids, we played, like I had, uh, we had Monopoly and Sorry. And then there was like a dinosaur version of Monopoly that we had and a Star Wars version of Risk that we had. And I'm trying to think of some of the other games. And then we've played card games before. There's a, a, a card game that my um, my paternal grandfather really liked. Um he is—he's no longer with us, but um, when he was alive, there was a card game that he really liked that my dad has shared with us, and that we enjoy. That is just a—it's a, a regular fifty-two deck of cards, but you leave some cards out, and you leave more and more cards out, and it's so—it's—it's it's sort of like um, spades or bridge or something. It's called regression, and basically, you gradually leave more and more cards out, and you bet on how many um sets you're gonna take and all that sort of stuff and anyway it's uh it's a fun game um but it's been really cool to explore more um kind of custom board game board games beyond monopoly basically um (laughs) and play some of those because they're they're really fun um you know there's some really fun games out there and there's some really cool well-designed games that um have some really interesting uh mechanical stuff going on and one of the things about marvel united is that it, it seems to me it is um it's a fairly simple concept right you just sort of do what the card says tells you to do um uh, for each of the cards um and that um works really well for for our group that it's not super complicated not a um serious huge tactical endeavor to uh figure out what the best card is it's just sort of like oh you're gonna need to do two punches and i can do two punches so i'm gonna punch now and you'll get a punch next time and that'll work out well and things like that um anyway it's a it's a really quite good um system i think uh quite a good game in a lot of ways um that i have in i really enjoyed a lot um playing with the family so um and there's a lot of content for it because there was the huge kickstarter um it adds up so there's there's definitely um an expense related to all of that content but um we'll see maybe i'll end up getting at least some of the the expansion boxes i already got the the spider verse expansion box with spider-man and miles morales and um, spider Gwen and the green goblin so it would be fun to get another another box or two maybe get the, the asgard or the war for wakanda expansion um, get some more heroes. And then we've even talked about my mom had the idea um that we could do kind of like in addition to family board game night, we could do family paint night. Um, just you know, everybody sit around the table and work on painting um the minis that come with it, because they there are high-quality minis that come with Marvel United, um, one for each superhero and one for each supervillain. Um, and so you've got a number of minis. The core box has like 10 minis, I think. Seven heroes and three villains, I think, is the the way it stacks up. Um, and then the expansions all have three or four more um, minis in them. And then the big Kickstarter expansion, the, the one with all of the Kickstarter, the special unique Kickstarter ones that I saw for like $200 on Amazon, um, has a ton of minis in it. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to spring for that. Um, that's kind of a little, little more than I'm necessarily interested on spending on the game right now, but spending, you know, another 30 or $50 on an expansion to, to be able to play with like black Panther or Thor, or the guardians of the galaxy or something like that, that, that seems like that could be pretty fun um, and pretty easy to, you know, maybe we could even set up a, a thing for that so that I'm not buying all the games, you know, everybody puts in five bucks or 10 bucks for family game night. And then we use the money to buy a new board game or something that I do the research on. So that might be fun. Might be a fun way to do it. Um, who knows? Um Anyway, but then we've also played, we played a um, Batman game, Batman Gotham city under siege. Um, which was a lot of fun. We did that a while ago was, uh, earlier in the pandemic. Um, but that was a lot of fun, and I still have the, the board game for it, so we could play that again sometime. It's a fun um, kind of roll dice and assign game where you basically have you have a a card for your hero and it tells you what you can do and you roll dice and then based on the dice you roll you can assign them to the different um, actions that you can do and then the cards all have two sides so there's a a regular side and a wounded side basically so it's pretty cool it's another really cool game in a lot of ways Um, uh, a fun game with some neat mechanics and all that sort of stuff. So anyway, um, yeah, board gaming, board gaming. It's been fun to, to kind of get more into it. And then there's a couple that I've got my eye on. There's the, um, uh, um, Conan game that was kickstarted like back in, uh, it was a while ago. Um, but I think it would be a lot of fun. Um, and it comes with a lot of minis so we could paint up the minis and then, um, two and then um play you know conan stuff that one it doesn't have a uh, excuse me you have to have a player as the overlord you don't have a way to um <coughs> it's a it's it's a competitive in the sense that there's one player who plays the overlord and then the other players play the heroes so there isn't really a way to do um All of the players on the same side, although that wouldn't be that bad. And I could play the overlord and um, just explain the rules to everybody else and all that sort of stuff. And so that might be fun. Um, And then there's a couple others and then some, you know. Maybe I'll even try to convince you know some of my relatives to to play a more serious war game at some point um, just to try it out. you know, more of a maybe more of a miniature skirmish game than like a big rank and flank. Um, but it seems like that could be a lot of fun is to to mess around with more of a a, a war game, you know, especially one of the kind of simpler. Um, you know, I've been talking about, um, uh, Ambush Alley, but there's some other ones that I've got that are, um, really quite good. There's the, the various Nordic weasel games, games are, um, really excellent and definitely would work for a kind of small scale or the two hour war games, games, you know, like nuts, or, um, I think FNG is the Vietnam one. And anyway, um. I'm just rambling at this point, so I'm gonna let you guys go. Um, thanks so much for listening. Um, it's really great to be back. Big thanks to Gary for calling in and um, giving me a bit of a, a, an emotional boost um, that we from his his call in that I played earlier in the episode. Um, and generally, thanks to all of you guys for um, sticking out, sticking sticking with it. Um, this Live from Helen's Wasteland project has been you know, going on for quite a while now, um, and I don't want it to go anywhere. I'm not sure how often I'm going to be able to do this. I'm trying to I'm, – I'm thinking that podcasting once or twice a week is probably the way to go, Um do a little bit more focused episodes rather than the kind of, um, do, do kind of longer and more focused episodes rather than doing like one episode every day for a week, which is always fun, but it ends up being kind of wearying, um, on some level and, um, and it's hard for you guys to keep up with too. So anyway, um, that's just to say big thanks to all of you for sticking out with it, listening in to the podcast and, um, generally being awesome. So thank you for that. All right. Um, I am going to go take an antihistamine because you can probably hear that my nose has gotten super stuffed up. Um, just while we've been sitting here talking basically. Um, and Yeah, that's going to be the end of the episode. So thank you so much for listening. I've been Arlen Walker. I've been live from Palms Wasteland, and I will see you next time. Take care, everybody.